0: Sometimes on here, I will talk about the weather, or just kind of mention what the weather has been. And it's a topic that most people have an opinion on. You know, if we have nothing else to say to somebody. We'll say, "Ah, oh, you know, it's been so stinking hot lately. Is it ever going to quit raining? You know, whatever. And now on TV, we have at least two or three channels that are dedicated to nothing but the weather. Uh, You you can get reports for the weather uh, any place in the world. You just put in a a city, you put in Rome, Italy, or, you know, Peking, or whatever it might be, and you can get their weather for the next week. You can get the weather on your phone, I get the weather on my watch. And, And it seems to be something that everybody has an interest in. You know, we look at the weather reports and maybe use that to plan our day or plan our week. Uh, you know, some people are praying for sunshine and warm temperatures. You know, those people that, especially uh, if you're up north and you're going uh, to Arizona or Florida or Southern California to get some warm weather, that's what you're hoping for when you get there. Uh, but at the same time, you're praying for Sunshine and 80 degrees. There's others that may be praying for rain for whatever reason So maybe we're so interested in this because it's something that we have absolutely no control over You know, you can live in an area that gets very little rain in June and July and so you're going to be planning your beautiful outdoor wedding or event of some kind for months And the forecast for that day is sunny and, you know, maybe 78 with a slight breeze and like a 1% chance of rain. And what happens? It just pours big time all day long. It's raining cats and dogs. I wondered where that came from. So I looked it up. It says when it rained, the roofs got slippery and cats and dogs would slide off of the roof. So therefore, it was raining cats and dogs. Okay, just thought I'd throw that in. But no matter where you live in the United States, anyways, maybe other places too, you think that your weather is just the strangest. You know, you say, oh, it can be snowing in the morning and, you know, sunny and 65 in the afternoon and then get down to zero, you know, tonight. Or if you don't like the weather, just wait fifteen minutes and it'll just change completely. So, since I had nothing else of interest to say, I thought I would talk about the weather in this part. Let's pray, Father. We just give you thanks that you are in charge of the weather, and Lord, sometimes it seems like um, you could do a better job. You know that we we could plan it better, but Lord, you know what we need in every area of our lives and so you give that to us and since we all sometimes have different needs sometimes we don't get what we want so Lord as we look at your word we know that your word is the same yesterday today and forever and so father help us to to rely on that and not on some meteorologist for our life so father just open our ears our minds our hearts And just let your Holy Spirit guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, we come to a month that has five Tuesdays. So here is my message that, you know, is going to be on giving or stewardship or tithing or whatever. Because if there's a month with five Tuesdays, one of those Tuesdays is going to be on one of those topics. And so I thought I'd start off the month that way. I don't usually do that so money everybody has an interest in money you know everybody feels like they could use more than what they have because there just never seems to be enough okay it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you're getting more would be better if you make let's say $500 a week well you think that you know if I just made $150 150 more or $200 more, that would be just enough. But then if you started getting that, then, you know, it wouldn't be long. And you'd think, oh, man, I could just use another $100 a week. That would really help. And so it kind of goes on and on. So to some listening, those amounts may seem like a huge fortune, you know, to make $700 or $500 in a week. And I know there's some listeners from different places around the world where income is much less than the United States. Yeah, you know, I I looked at average annual income in different places. Uh, in Russia, it says it's eleven thousand dollars as your annual income. Iran fifty three hundred. India twenty one hundred dollars. Jamaica, a place where we've gone on mission trips, seventy eight hundred dollars. Can't imagine that it's that high. The United States was number nine in the list, which really was kind of surprising to me, It's uh, $66,000. I've never made $66,000 in a year, so I know there's people up there that are making more than me. Uh, the number one on the list was Monaco, and the average annual income in Monaco is $186,000. That's more than 88 families in India. Hmm. Uh, worldwide, the median income is about $10,000. Okay, so if you're in the United States, you can say, wow, there's a whole lot of people making a whole lot less money than I am around the world. Well, the Bible talks extensively about money, possessions, tithing, stuff, stewardship. So we can assume that that's a hot topic with the Lord. So a very good place to look at some wisdom on money and related topics or anything else is the book of Proverbs. So let me just run through a few, and this is from the message. Okay? And just in chapter 13, uh, here's a few that was in that one chapter. Verse 7, it says, A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. And a plain and simple life is a full life. So we could see that in our trips to Jamaica. People there that had very little were very happy. You know, happier than uh, a lot of people that I see here in the United States that are making a whole lot more and have a whole lot more. Uh, they just aren't as happy as those that had less. In verse 8, this is a rich can be sued for everything they have. But the poor are free from such threats. (laughs) If you don't have much, you know, you got little or nothing to lose. Uh, Verse 11 is easy come, easy go, but steady diligence pays off. You know, I think that can be seen people that spend their life on public assistance. Okay, they've got nothing invested in what they have. And so sometimes I have very little regard for it, unfortunately. Well, then in chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, it says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Restrain yourself. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and it flies off into the wild blue yonder. How true. Kind of like here today and gone tomorrow. And you may have heard the, the saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. And that kind of comes from those two verses. Well, it's a, a loose translation, excuse me, of Proverbs twenty-one twenty, where it says valuables are safe in a wise person's home. Fools put it all out for yard sales. <laughs> uh, or the King James puts it this way, there's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. So in other words, a fool and his money are soon parted. So looking at the New Testament, we have Paul's wise words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10. This is a New Living Translation now says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Okay, This is probably one of the most misquoted verses of Scripture because it does not say money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So big difference there. Because I know some people that are quite wealthy, and you know, you wouldn't know it from the way they lived their lives and the way they shared their wealth. So we all need money. Okay, that's obvious. Because no one can exist for long with absolutely no money whatsoever, nothing coming in. You know, I know there's people that live off the land and buy nothing now, but well, if they got clothes. They must have had some money to get those clothes. They have tools to work the land or to hunt or to fish. You know, they must have had money to get those things. So, money was involved in some point in their lives in order for them to be able to have the things that they did. So, let me talk about an interesting couple in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to go to Judges. Chapter 16, and staying in the New Living Translation, in verse four, it says, "'Some time later, Samson fell in love "'with a woman named Delilah, "'who lived in the valley of Sorek. Okay, now she may have been legit in the beginning, okay? Maybe she really loved Samson and thought, you know, this is a guy I wanna spend the rest of my life with. But in the next verse, Not knowing how long this relationship had been going on, it tells us that she was pretty easily swayed. So in Judges 16.5, it says, The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, let's believe they're talking about the, the five rulers of the Philistines. So that's 5,500 pieces of silver, which was probably about 28 pounds of silver. So roughly fifteen to $18,000. So probably a lot of money to Delilah, or most anyone at that time, or today. So, Because Samson was now more valuable, dead, or at least arrested, than as a lover. Delilah went right to work on him. Now, I've always said, Samson may have been really strong, but he was also really stupid. Okay, Because he just didn't figure out what was going on. You know, when I picture Samson... You know who comes to my mind always? And that's Fabio, if you're familiar with Fabio. That's the kind of guy that I I think of, you know, with the long hair and the the muscles, you know. But, you know, Samson, man, he was a few fries short of a Happy Meal. And he, he just didn't seem to be the brightest bulb on the tree because he never figured out that Delilah had one thing on her mind and it wasn't him. It was money, or in her case, it was silver. So maybe he finally figured it out when he was in prison and he was blind. He may have thought, you know, I guess I shouldn't have trusted trusted that Delilah. You know, gee, you know, now that I think about it, she was really just kind of trying to put this over me. So Delilah definitely fulfilled Paul's words. To Timothy about the love of money equaling equaling evil. Delilah also proved that money talks. So if the Philistine leaders, you know, if it hadn't been for them, you know, maybe she'd have turned out to have been a good wife and a good mother. You know, we'll never know. But when she weighed Samson against this 28 pounds of silver, You know, he may have been a big, strong guy, but those 28 pounds won out, and he lost out. The money was speaking to her a lot louder than Samson's love. Well, some people say that money talks to them, but they say it only says goodbye. You know, I mean, most of us can identify with that. You know, many live paycheck to paycheck, a lot of people find that there's more month than there is money. So how do we rectify that? How do we get ahead? There's only one way that I've found to be very consistent, and that's to give more away. What? Now that doesn't make sense. Give more money away, and that's going to give me more money Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about just walking down the street and tossing out five, ten, twenty dollar bills, although in some places that may be a good idea, I guess. But first and foremost, I'm talking about giving to your church, okay, the place where you're being fed, okay, the place that is looked at as your storehouse where you attend regularly or semi-regularly. But, you know, the the tithe, it it really just doesn't make any sense at all. But at the same time, it's the most sensible thing that you can do. Giving God 10% of your first fruits, that's an act of worship. And that's priceless. You've probably all heard 2 Corinthians 9, 7 many times. The King James, it says, Every man according to his purpose, excuse me, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth the cheerful giver. And on the other end of the spectrum, the message says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your mind what you'll give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. Amen. He sure does. But our giving is not to stop with the tithe or with giving to the church, because there's a lot more needs out there that we need to be concerned about. Going back to Proverbs chapter twenty-two, verse nine says, "Blessed are those who are generous, because they feed the poor." And this is an endless need, you know. Like Jesus in Mark fourteen, okay, he had been anointed by the the woman, and she had taken this expensive oil and use it to anoint Jesus and some of the disciples, some of the others there complaint saying that was a, a waste of money and it could be used for the poor. And Jesus' response, Matthew fourteen seven, you'll always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you won't always have me. So there will always be poor everywhere. Okay. we we see it more and more, you know, especially through this pandemic that we're still going through. You know, but I got to admit something here. All right, I'm trying not to judge, but you know, we're seeing more homeless, and you know, their cardboard sign says, you know, I'm out of work, you know? and you know, to me. You know just down the street within a hundred yards you're probably going to find at least a couple of places with signs out front that we're hiring so if you're out of work instead of standing on the street corner and looking for handouts walk down the street and get yourself a job maybe not the job you want for the rest of your life maybe not the job that you got laid off from or whatever not going to pay you great Probably not going to have great benefits, but it's a job, okay? Jesus gives us a very important point to remember. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, he says, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose a reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Okay, We're called to be helping the poor and those in need but we're called to do it discreetly. Okay, I mean, I could get on here and say, you know, my wife and I, we we tithe to the church and we donate to these radio stations and we donate to this ministry and we, we do this and we do that and this and that and this and that. You know, and I'm going to be like the hypocrites blowing my trumpet, not in the synagogues or on the streets, but, you know, podcast. So... I know I've worked with some people that they want that. You know, they want people to know, you know, this is what they did. This is what they gave. You know, I know there was particularly one case where somebody had donated, not a huge amount of money, but a sizable amount of money to purchase something for the church. And they were really rather upset that they didn't see it in the next newsletter, that it wasn't in there that, you know, Mr. and Mrs. John Doe gave however much money to the church so the church could go ahead and purchase this thing that they needed. And I'm thinking, you know, you're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking for the wrong reward because the Lord has a better one for you than you'll ever get from anybody else. So, Jesus makes another great point in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. He says, When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, then at the resur- resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Just a guess, but I don't think this happens very often, certainly not often enough. Now, I don't put on a luncheon or a banquet frequently, but when I do, it's Usually, if not always, going to be with friends, with family, maybe my small group. And, all. and what this passage is saying is, you know, they're just going to invite you back, you know, which is nice. But, you know, invite those people that, you know, this is going to be it. You know, you're not going to get invited back. You're not going to be, you know, going to their house next week because. Maybe they don't even have a place to call a home. Well, in James 2, he's talking about our faith and deeds. But this is what he says, beginning in verse 15. It says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? What good does that do? Absolutely nothing. Okay, no good whatsoever. It shows that you're blind spiritually. Okay, that you're not meeting with that person and seeing what that person's needs are and how you can maybe meet those needs. Or it's seeing the needs and thinking, you know, I, I can help them out, but, you know, I know I got the car payment coming up and, You know, I've really been looking at that, you know, fishing pole that I want, or, you know, there's really this dress that I like to get. And so you think, you know, I just really can't do it right now. So we're told in Acts 2 in Acts 4 and elsewhere about the believers selling their possessions to meet the needs of others. You know, this is still expected of us to take from our abundance and meet the needs of other people. You know, Paul wrote this to Timothy in his first letter, chapter five, verse 16. If a woman who's a believer has relatives who are widows, (coughs) excuse me, if a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone <clears throat> excuse me not put the responsibility on the church okay this is speaking about relieving the church's burdens to help everyone in need okay it's saying that you know you need to see the needs especially in your family and those close to you And you should be meeting the needs, not them going to the church and trying to get their needs met. Okay, but as part of the church, it's a responsibility we need to take on. Okay, and if this wouldn't happen the way it should be, there'd be no need for public assistance or social services or food stamps or the government interfering because the church would be fulfilling their calling. You know, Paul gives us more great advice in 2 Corinthians 8, beginning in verse 11. This is what he says. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have, whatever you give is acceptable, if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. Yeah, government can really take some knowledge from that passage, couldn't they? But it all comes down to this. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. God does not pour out blessings on us to hoard, you know, to buy bigger, to buy the newest, you know, to buy better than your neighbor, better than your sister-in-law of everything that's out there, okay? God blesses us so we can bless somebody that doesn't have what we do. Let me share the words to a song with you that I know I've used before, but it's a song by Chris Christian. It says, we lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you. We are an offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are an offering. All that we have, all that we are, all that we hope to be, we give to you we give to you all that we have everything we have it comes from the lord all that we are you know the education that you have you know the lord has given you the opportunity to do that he's given you the ability to do that all that we hope to be you know to look at the things that you know this is what you're striving for take people along with you but it's all the lord's none of it's yours from start to finish Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for who you are. You are an awesome God. And Lord, I just thank you for the ways that that you bless us as your children. Lord, help us to remember that you've called us to bless others, okay? You've given great things, great amounts, great lives, but Lord, you've given us those so we can share them with somebody else. So, Father, help us to find those people and to take the opportunity to do just exactly that. So, Father, I just pray that you'll help us to, to find those that you want us to help. Because we can't help everybody. Okay? We can't meet all the needs that are out there. But if we can meet the need of one person, maybe that's all you're calling us to do. Maybe just one family. Maybe just one one church, one ministry. So, Lord, help us to see where you want us to use our resources to help someone else. And, Father, I lift up anyone that may be listening to this that that doesn't know you. They just thought that maybe this might be something that might help them somehow. And so, Lord, if they're at that point where they see that they, they need more than stuff in their lives, that they need you, that they need their lives changed, Lord, that they'll reach out to you. And that they'll pray a prayer like this Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. The only Savior there is, is your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that He died on the cross for my sins, and that He rose from the dead, and that He's coming back. Father, forgive me because I've sinned. Lord, help me to be better. In Jesus' wonderful, precious name, amen. Amen.